Welcome back to Rogue Fun, a podcast story, the podcast all about Rogue One. I am so pleased to welcome back a very special guest. Katrina's back to talk to us all about Andor episode 10, which is called One Way Out. Katrina, <laughs> welcome back. Thank you for having me back. I'm so excited to talk about this episode and and uh, and catch up uh, on, on how you've been these past few weeks. How are you? Oh, boy. Oh, we're, we're doing... <laughs> Doing so good over here. <laughs> yes. Um, Andor, Andor keeps um, knocking us on, just knocking us over. And um, so I'm doing about as well as could be expected by how stressful <laughs> this show has been. Um, and uh, I am really glad that you've come back. You're our first repeat guest of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you... Um, we already know all about your relationship with Rogue One. We already know how you feel about Rogue One. Um, and we're happy to have somebody that cares so much about Star Wars and about these characters back to talk to us about this episode, which was doozy. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's just dive right into it. Last we left off in Andor, um, we have just discovered that um, the people who are risen and Arkina 5 uh, made a terrible mistake and accidentally sent a inmate who was supposed to be released back into the prison onto a different level and because of their mistake they had to kill a hundred people an entire floor's worth of people in this prison um, we find this out from the doctor who uh, was shockingly chatty and uh, on to our friends Keith <laughs> and Kino. Um, Kino, who took it really bad, and Cassie and Andor, disguised as Keith, uh, has taken it to mean that it's time to get the heck out of Dodge. Mm-hmm. Um, we can start off start off this conversation by saying, "What an incredible performance out of Andy Circus! He continues to top himself every week." Everything. Honestly, like I, one of the best things about Star Wars is that you can have actors come back in like multiple roles. Like I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate circus in animation. I wouldn't like hate him in like a wig and coming back again after this week. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm so, I'm always excited for more, more Andy Circus. Like he's such a prolific actor and like with all due respect to The Last Jedi, I think he, this is where he shined in Star Wars. And so I'm really, really glad that he got to come back and play the role of Kino and create this character who like, you know, when we first met him, when we first got to Narkina 5, he was kind of one dimensional, you know, like he, he was there to serve a sentence. He was, he had this hope that he'd get out and he was in charge of stuff. And now like in the, in the span of three episodes, he's become this like deep and complex character who makes these like big choices and shows that he actually cares about the other like men that are in there with him. Um, and so just like seeing that development and and just listening to like, oh man, I, I was just like hanging on every word of this episode. And, and Circus was definitely one of those, the actors who like, he was one of those reasons why I was hanging on every word. Absolutely. The agony on his face as he's assessing every new detail that he's learning about what is happening to the other inmates. Um, the fact that uh, they could just 
euthanize Olaf without, you know, any proper medical care. They're mm-hmm. like, well, he's got a stroke. He's done for. Um, as as he's processing all of this new information a little at a time, you can see him slowly breaking. And I was real. I was really impressed by his performance in this episode. And then I continued to be impressed by this episode. And I wonder if, if we're going to talk about like these these first few scenes with them as they're like formulating their plan, as he's mm-hmm. informing their shift, you know what's going on, and that they're going to start the the breakout and all of that before we get into the like meat of the action. Um, knowing what we know now about how the episode ends, um, do you think that Kino knew from the beginning that they were going to have to swim their way out and that he couldn't swim? I don't think Kino's plan was ever that he would have to, I don't know. I feel like when he came in and when we first met him, he had this very set like belief that like, I'm going to serve these years and then I'm going to be out and they're going to fly me away from here and I'm going to go home. And so I don't think it really dawned on him as they were like forming this plan that like there were there were no escape pods here, you know, like I don't think mm-hmm. it really it set in until he got to like that point And it was like, oh, all this sacrifice was probably for nothing. So, yeah, yeah I, I mean, and especially within the rush and adrenaline of it all, like I think the moment they you know, euthanize Olaf, like that, that thought of like, what am I going to do when I get to the edge was like beyond him because, you know, Kino, Kino wanted to get out for himself, of course, but like Kino in every step he took, and I will just like reaffirm this, this was for every man in that prison, you know, Mm -hmm. like he, he was just like righteously upset when Olaf was put to death. And so uh, I think that, that even if he knew he was going to see it through all the way to the end. And that's why you kind of saw that like solemn look on his face at the end where it's like, Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, we went through well, all this trouble and now, now I can't swim. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just wonder at the, at the refrain of one way out, one way out, one way out. They chant it over and over again. It's the name of the, it's the title of the episode and, and everything. Um, and he's the first one to say it and he's the one to get them um, chanting it. I wonder if that one way out, if he knew what it meant, what was at the end of that one way out um, mm-hmm. or if he knew what it meant, but he hadn't like processed it yet. But he knows that the only way out is through the door they came in yeah. and, and he knows what's on the other side of that door. At, like some part of him knows what's on the other side of that door. And that's why he says the line, um, when he says, I'm going to just act like I'm already dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to act like I'm already dead. And um, and I'm just going to push as far as I can and take the chances that I can. Um, because he kind of is already dead, right? Like, whether he can jump into the water and, you know, and whether he jumps in the water and drowns or he doesn't jump in the water and gets caught, that's the end for him. Mm-hmm. He just wants to get as many people to the exit the one exit as as he can um because yeah. he knows it's the right thing to do and that like torment on his face the entire time when he's trying to get that speech out when he's trying to um you know when he's g- yelling at everybody to get on the tables and and all of that he's just wrecked the whole time i don't think i'll be able to stop talking about this performance mm-hmm. from andy circus and uh, for you know until the end of time yeah i'll, I'll be thinking about this um one of the one of the finest pieces of acting I think we've gotten in Star Wars 
ever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this, this episode was just like, I was overwhelmed by the performances in this, in this episode, you know, from, from the start, like Diego Luna has been uh, a, just a, a natural and like his, his ability to flesh out this character and make him so deep and interesting is incredible because he has, he is up against these like giants of like acting, you know, like these extremely talented people. And that's not to discredit Diego's uh, entire career, um, but it's it's hard not to get lost in the sea of those incredible performances of such high caliber. And I right. think that, yeah, we I feel really lucky to have his performance, Andy Serkis's performance, Mon Mothma. Oh, we're going to get to that. Oh, yeah. Houston, yeah. Oh Stella Skarsgård throwing out this wicked monologue at the end sacrifice um but you're right you know diego luna who is a very accomplished actor um and has been been working consistently for many years um but this is still an entire show to carry on your back you are the title character of of the show you are the focus of everybody's attention and that's like a lot of pressure and a lot of like a lot of expectation out of somebody um to which i think he more than rises to the occasion um his Diego Luna is bringing something to this character Cassian Andor who we know who we know him from Rogue One and this we've spent a lot of time on this podcast specifically breaking down every single minutia of facial expression out of him and and pulling as much of character out of the few minutes we got with him out of Rogue One as we could um, and he's taken this character and expanded it so far. I was really, I've been really impressed at the characterization of uh, of Cassian um, and his um, remarkable ability for compassion and for helping people, even when he he'll say out loud, like, I just need to do it for me or I'm in it for the money or um, I'm, you know, and, and, or just shooting people imperials mm -hmm. mostly without even thinking about it um his gut it says you know that survive but he has this remarkable compassion um and a capacity for caring about other people and making sure that everybody is okay around him but mm -hmm. not so much compassion that he's going to be slowed down in his like purpose yeah. um and diego luna is shine absolutely shining every time he looks around the group of men and sees somebody he knows melshi kino mm -hmm. any of these any of the guys from table five his like boys he's like looking around making eye contact yes you're okay he looks mm -hmm. around finds somebody else in the group you're okay too um and he he but even when he's seeing them get shot even when they're you know, down around him he's not going to stop because he cares so much but he's not going to be like sentimental about mm -hmm. it until everybody is safe. Yeah. And we see that in Rogue One as well. Um, and his, you know, going back for Jin on the platform at Edu, he could have just left her behind. You know, he doesn't know her, but, and, and doesn't need her anymore, right? He's got all the information he needs. Galen Erso's dead. He, you know, he he accomplished his his mission, but he goes back for her because mm -hmm. of that ability of um, of holding both, truths in his head mission needs to be accomplished i have to take care of people 
Um, and Diego's doing such a fabulous job of that in this. I love that that's kind of an echo of Marva uh, in Cassian, mm-hmm. you know, like it's it's very much that same logic when she when she saves him. And I think that that is such a great it's it was such a great thing to see demonstrated because it, it explains so much about the actions that he takes, you know, like he may be, you know, I don't even want to call him cutthroat. Like he's kind of a mess. But like <laughs> when it comes to people he's attached to. There's always a, a, enough time, you know, to, to help them out. There's always enough time to go straight up against the clock and make sure that, like, you know, ev- as many people come out with him as possible, basically, you know, right. like, yeah. So I, I fully agree with your point there. Like, it's, he's such a complex character. And I feel like a lot of people just, like, describe him as, like, cold and heartless. And it's it's so refreshing to see this series that explains like the complexity of why he does things, why he thinks about things certain ways. Like I, I see, you know, getting to know Luthen, especially in this episode tells me so much more about the man Cassian is going to be by the time we get to rogue one. Cause like what Luthen says and the way he expresses himself is exactly how Cassian's philosophy works in rogue one. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And he, yeah, there were so many echoes of um, of Cassian's big speech near the end of Rogue One when he talks about how how everything that they've done for the rebellion and they couldn't live with themselves if they didn't keep acting and keep moving. There's so many echoes of that in Luthen's big speech at the end of this episode when he talks about sacrifice and everything that he's sacrificed from kinship and family to love and peace and quiet and all of these things that he is he has just already decided i'm never going to see again i'm never going to have any of these things ever for the rest of my life and i made that choice for myself because the cause is more important um and so yeah by the time we see cassian uh, a full, fully developed character, Cassian, joining Jin Erso to the in in a fight to the death. Um, at the end of Rogue One, he's also accepted that same that same truth. The it doesn't matter what I want. What matters is helping people. And um, uh, the line that really stuck with me in this episode, and we keep jumping around, um, which is fine because I'm just like so like worked up about this episode. <laughs> Um, the line I mean, in Luthen's speech. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry. You you've invited like one of the most ADHD people in the Star Wars fandom <laughs> onto your show, so I'm always I'm just be like, oh, and this and this and this and this. But yeah, we'll just we're just gonna <laughs> roll with this energy and yeah. and just jump around. But the speech, uh, the bit in Luthen's speech where he says, um, um, I'm giving my life for a sunrise that I'll never see. Oh boy. Oh boy. That hit really hard. Oh my gosh, man. Uh, just like there, oh, we will get to it, but that, that, that monologue just like over and over again, I felt like not that I, like I was getting punched in the face, but like I was getting punched in the face with like the theory of what the rebellion was and like the sacrifices that had to be made in yes. order for us to get to like, happy-go-lucky Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia, you know? Like, not to say that they're not happy-go-lucky. Princess Leia's whole planet got blow, blown up and terrible <laughs> things happened to her. But, but still, like, we 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 don't see... We haven't seen those sacrifices on, on such an intense and personal level in Star Wars. And I, I just love that, like, that informs everything that goes forward, you know? Absolutely. Yes, it... T- yes, because by the time... 
when we when we first met the rebellion in a Star Wars A New Hope, um, we're it's a new hope, right? Like that's the that's the title of the of the episode. And the rebellion's a full scale army, a full scale, you know, navy. They've got a full complement of ships and they're plucky and and small, but they're still like united under a purpose. Um, and yeah, and Luke and Leia and Han Solo waltz in there all like, you know, fast talking and adorable and get the job done and they win, you know, and yay. But like what got them to this point is the sacrifice, the death, the destruction, the loss that all of these people have, um, have experienced up until this point, what Cassian gave up, what Jyn Erso gave up, what Saw Gerrera is giving up, um, I, you know, we have a, a, a complicated relationship with the character of Sagarera, like in general, believing that he is saying all of the right things, but somehow flinching at the, the terror that he is able to like enact on people. Mm-hmm. Um, how often people say, I, I, I agree with your reasoning, but not with your methods. And he's like, fine, I don't need you to believe in my methods, but I'm getting things done. And how much more I have come over even just the show. He's only been in one episode. Uh, but how much more I've come to understand how men like Sagarera and Luthen, how they justify their their means to their ends. And how, like, how much more believable and understandable they are in general because of how personally aware of what it is that they're doing. Um, it's fascinating absolutely fascinating to me and the the writing of all of this has been um been just wild just incredibly detailed and complex i just we're so blessed <laughs> this oh God, show. yes absolutely yeah i uh, i mean oh sorry uh yeah i i this episode's writing is just i mean i, I feel like this series itself is special because every episode that airs is the new best episode. Um, like there's never, there's never been an episode so far. There hasn't been an episode so far that like has been dull or just kind of feels like a bridge to another, even the, like, what was it? Uh, eight, I think was in fact a bridge to the next arc. Um, from, or right. nine. Yeah. We had a bridge from the last arc to this one, but it was so natural and there was so much stuff going on that like, you know, it wasn't, uh, a filler at all and so uh i just oh, man this series yeah i have heard um a couple of complaints um on online as as mm-hmm. it is um mm-hmm. about um about people feeling occasionally like the show has a lot of filler because of how often the show focuses on not cassian mm-hmm. um and I can understand why you would want a show called Andor or Cassian Andor in it. Of course, we all want more Cassian Andor all the yes. time without stopping. <laughs> um, but but I I disagree with those arguments, and I dis you know I disagree with people who say you know how how much of the show is filler because even the bits that did feel like filler and would maybe in a lesser show feel less like filler and more like chess pieces being set on the board yes the the things that could be filler checking in on his mom checking on his ex-girlfriend you know those things that are like that seem like they wouldn't matter 
are setting the stage for things that are going to matter. So we did get to check in a little bit on Ferrix in this in this episode. Yeah. Um, and all eyes are on Marva. Every everybody's paying attention to her. You've got the Imperial spy there. You've got Cinta there. Um, mm-hmm. That seemed to be the group checking up on Marva. Maybe was the uh, the um, the group that was mentioned a couple episodes ago, the Daughters of Ferrix. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was really cool. I did notice that because I watch with captions, so we were actually given faces to names in this oh, episode. Nice. Um, uh, Jesse, who runs up to, I believe it's Bix, and and says like Marva's uh, like not taking her meds or something. I, right. It's a little blurry in my mind, but that's Jesse, who was mentioned way back in episode one, two or so, um, when Marva was like, "Well, who else knows you're from um, uh, Canari." And You're absolutely was- right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Because these people have a community yes. that's been yeah. established from the beginning. So even, yes, even throwaway names from a couple episodes ago can mm-hmm. come back and mean something more. I We were trying to turn the captions on while I was watching it today and <laughs> just like could not get the captions to work. They were oh, not no. coming on. We well, usually watch the captions and it helps so much with the, you know, yes, with the, with names and faces and stuff. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. So I'm so glad that you caught that because I didn't catch that at all. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, and so, yeah, all eyes on Marva. All, and I think because everybody expects if something happens to her, that Cassian's going to come barreling back. Because mm-hmm. nobody knows where he is. Because there's no yeah. Cassian Andor in uh, Narkina 5. <laughs> we, Keith, no. Keith is in Narkina 5. Um, and so, like, it's it seems like everybody's going ahead and, like, moving their little chess pieces to Ferex mm-hmm. or around Ferex. And just waiting for the other shoe to drop. And so, yeah, so these things that could be fillers are going to end up meaning something later if Cassian, you know, if something happens to Marva and Cassian ends up barreling back, like, what happened to my ma? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Who hurt (laughs) my mommy? (laughs) You know? Exactly. Okay, will. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I mean, that's the thing is that, like, you know, there's there's talk of of how uh, Deidre's kind of, like, wasting her time on Ferrix, um, but I mean, the strategy, the strategy does kind of hold true, you know, like if, if Cassian is to find out that Marva is in trouble, he will come running back. It's just a matter of how, how is Cassian going to find out that Marva is in trouble? Like no one knows where he, he is. No one knows how to contact him. Mm-hmm. None of his friends or, or, or companions or anything can like reach him. So that's where the fruitless effort comes in is that like, None of these people know where he is, so how can they contact him to lure him back? So, yeah, yeah. I guess we'll we'll find out. We still oh. have two more episodes <laughs> left in this season, and everything seems like it's getting ready to getting ready to blow. Like they finally mm-hmm. broke out of the prison. That's one domino down. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Aldani was another one. Like these these things are being set up to fall a little at a time, and then once they get going. We've got a full-scale rebellion on our hands, mm-hmm. um, and it all hinges around Cassian Andor, the fulcrum, if you will. Aha! Um, <laughs> <laughs> Clever. <laughs> I love that. Spent a little bit of time with Mon Mothma in this episode. Not a lot, we, we but did. A, yeah. but enough to to really get some juicy moments out of out of Mon Mothma. So. Um, 
what's his name? What is his name? Davos? Not Davos. Something Game of Thronesy. Uh, Something Game of Thronesy. Davo. Davo. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Tay. Yeah. So brings Davo over to see Mon. Fabulous set of Chandrillan names. I love that for them. Um, mm-hmm. And so Davos is a total scumbag. This guy stinks. Mm-hmm. And he has way too much money for his own good. Um, and it's Mon Rothma for the first time, I think, um, like personally compromising her like flawless reputation and her flawless integrity. She's kind of been letting her money do the talking for her. But this is the first time that she's like physically meeting with somebody and like actually doing something to like really disrupt a system that she's mm-hmm. been believing in this whole time. And boy, it couldn't have gone worse. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my. So first off, Davos looks like uh th- like a like a Vegas magician is the only <laughs> way. Like there are two types of Vegas magicians and it's those like guys that wear like leather vests and then the guys who dress like Davos. Davos shows up looking like a dollar store Walter Mercado. Okay. <laughs> he he has like bronzer on. He's got a super, super like shiny rich outfit. And I'm just like, it, I immediately am like, mm, I'm suspicious of you. Like, mm-hmm. I, I already know you're going to ask for something really, really gross and sleazy. Lo and behold. Oh my uh, God, he does. Yeah, we learn about the uh, traditional. I, I know this is really interesting to me because we actually learn a lot about Chandra Pulch. For the very first time in like Star Wars history, like we we've mm-hmm. kind of grazed a little bit about like Mon and Perrin's marriage and like what the circumstances of it were. But I think this scene that like you know it's all of five minutes long, and we learn immediately like what the policies are for like high born kids and like what kind of lives they are basically like destined to um, if their parents follow the old ways as. Uh, as Davo calls them. So yeah, he he shows up and he's like, yeah, I'm going to help you. But like, my son is going to come with me and uh, he is going to be like, he's going to meet your daughter and we're going to like talk about marriage. And like, <laughs> and, oh my God. And that poor girl who's, what what they, they say she's um, 13. about to turn 14, mm-hmm. um, which would be the, I guess, 14, the coming of age. Um, and then 15, the normal age of, of marriage. Because as Mon Mothma said, she and Perrin got married at 15, as mm-hmm. was tradition. Yeah. And she said that a few episodes ago. And again, with these like little breadcrumbs being sprinkled in many episodes ago that are coming to, you know, coming to importance now. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem to matter. It was interesting, but it didn't seem to matter that Mon Mothma married Perrin at 15. But now it matters. Yeah. Because that idea of putting her daughter through that is so repellent to her mm-hmm. that she that is a line falling across. Yeah. Even for the rebellion. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if this had been Luthen, if this had been, you know, Clea, if this had been, you know, um, Cinta, this wouldn't have even been a question. They would have been like, yep, anything for the rebellion, right? Mm-hmm. But this is Mon Mothma. And we know how hard it was for her to talk to this guy in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, she already like hates him. So the concept of like, I, 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 you know, ninety nine percent of it is like I would never put my daughter through that, and then there's one percent where it's like, oh God, I have to hang out with Davo for the rest of my life. 
Like, like none of that sounds appealing to me. Yeah, uh, they, would, they would be in-laws, and can you imagine? Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, no. that would be horrible. And I'm mm -mm. No, not looking forward to meeting Davo's son if he shows up, because I'm sure he's going to be a pain in the butt. But yeah, oh, it's it's. I mean, it's it's a, a testament to like. I feel like Mon's whole life has been a series of strategic moves. You know, mm -hmm. like she she wanted to get into a position of power where she could make a difference and do good for the galaxy. And in order to do that, that marriage for her had to happen. You know, she had to have a child with parent who like, I, I saw a really great theory and I'm so sorry. I've forgotten who put it out there, but like people are, you know, there's like one post out there that's like, I'm pretty sure that she like married Davo and had his child to seem more appealing to the Senate, you know, oh, like, yeah. to parent. As, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so, mm -hmm. yeah. And so it's like, that was a sacrifice she had to make. She never wanted to do it. There's never been interest in like parent or anything like that. So that was something she willingly did as opposed to something that she would have to force her daughter to do. Cause it's putting mom, putting herself on the line is like nothing, but her having to put other people that she actually loves on the line is another thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Because we know how miserable she is with Perrin. Okay. You know how miserable she is married to that guy. That guy sucks. I've said the it before. Worst. I'll say it again. He's the worst. <laughs> I've been referring to him as Mon Mothma's terrible husband when talking <laughs> about the show to people. Um, mm -hmm. So her terrible husband and like the idea that she would put her beloved daughter through that, even though like right now her daughter doesn't really want anything to do with her mom. Like she's 13, right? Like that's she's like, no, mom, ugh, I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to Auntie Belle and I want to dad says I can do whatever I want, you know, and, mm -hmm. and like that. And that's like difficult. She's a teenager. Yeah, but that's just that she's a teenager. I think Mon Mothma is like looking at her and going, "Like this kid is so young. I went through what at her age? Mm -hmm. I could, you know, could never, ever, ever put this girl through that. She's so young and impressionable and and adorable, and she just wants to wear a pretty gold dress from her auntie and mm -hmm. and and the idea of this girl being essentially sold for money." Mm -hmm. to fund a rebellion that like the girl may never see like mm -hmm. the mom mothma can't stomach that and she doesn't she doesn't have the she doesn't have the will for that and she um because she's not like luthan she's not like saw Guerrera, and she's not you know she doesn't have that she cares so much about people but she wants to do things the the right way mm -hmm. and or what she thinks is the right way and that way yeah. is not selling her daughter off in marriage um which i can't help but agree <laughs> it's like no not totally <laughs> i absolutely not do that i i fully you know like i i really agree with that that contrast and i think that like yes we want to show like all about cassie and andor but having mon and luthan as those two key players that are part of the rebellion and driving it in this show it just shows you like the staunch like difference between you know one path to rebellion and another um and and the yeah her sacrifices that she's absolutely not willing to make are sacrifices that like luthan would do like yeah sure why not like like if he had the i'm i am so scared for clea's mortality because if he <laughs> yeah. had to put clea up uh you know his his assistant you know whatever um he would do it he'd be like sure whatever and clea would probably also be like yeah absolutely like 
let's get it done. Let's be done. Um, yeah. She would be yeah. mad about it, but not yeah. mad at Luthen for doing it because yeah. she understands what Luthen's devotion to the cause. Um, but, but yeah, Mon Mothma's not like that. And this poor 13 year old girl, Leda, who honestly, could they have picked a more confusing name? Um, <laughs> We've got Leda and Clea and Leia, of course. Yes, yeah. I tweeted a few weeks ago, and I'm like, I wonder if they're all like from the same like naming convention, like Katrina and Catherine and etc. Yeah, like, they have. What the... if they have like the same root name? Yeah, I wonder. That would, I mean, it makes sense. Um, or if it's like the trendy, you know, name of their generation because they're all like yeah. about the same age, right? Like, yeah, they're all they're about all like well, I actually don't know. Leia's how old Leia much is. younger. Yeah, yeah. Leia is a lot closer to Lita's um, age than Clay is, but but like I I still I still would love to see Clay and Leia become friends. <laughs> <laughs> all of the yes, all of these these badass ladies, um, mm. and they're gosh, they're they're all so interesting and growing up so different mm -hmm. um it's there oh man there's so much to unpack and we only got to spend these like couple minutes with mon mothma as she's like trapped terrified on this couch being surrounded by these men who are like trying to negotiate around her almost um mm -hmm. i felt awful for her um and and it's about her daughter for god's sake and she's like nope we're not even gonna think about it and then he says that's the first lie you've told me um ooh, yes because of course she's she's gonna think about it like she yeah. doesn't want to do it and she thinks to herself like i would never ever ever compromise my kid like that but part of her is like okay but for the rebellion though mm -hmm. do you and think she's gonna do it like do you think that's do you think that's gonna happen <sighs> I don't think she's going to do it, but I think that her daughter thinks that she would do it. Like, I think I, my, my prediction for the upcoming two episodes is that Leda finds out mm. that Mon Mothma is considering it. Or if Mon Mothma says something like, okay, but what if I brought this boy over? You know, I was married about your age, no pressure, but what if I brought this boy over kind of thing? Oh. And then her daughter's just going to lose it mm -hmm. um, and be driven further from her. Because one thing, one thing that we do know about Mon Mothma is that by the time of, you know, by the season two of Rebels, right? You know, a couple, a couple years from the current day that we're, that we're in in Andor, mm -hmm. um, she's going to be totally, completely separated from her family and from the Senate. It's only a matter of time before this happens. And now we know that she's got a husband and a kid. Like what happens that separates her from them? And mm -hmm. this this could be part of it. This could be part of the sacrifice that she makes. When Luthen says, I'm sacrificing everything, like the ability to have a family and the ability to have love. Maybe Mon Mothma says, in order to do what I need to do, I need to not be with my family anymore my family mm -hmm. needs to go somewhere safe my family maybe they maybe she sends them back to chandrella and is like don't don't talk to me ever again mm -hmm. you know like oh, like oh, harry and the henderson God. style like get out yeah. of here no one wants you and sends oh. them away. <laughs> just oh, to gosh. keep them safe you yeah. know and and like losing her family like that is something that i that i could see mon mothma doing i don't think i don't think i can see her selling her kid essentially mm -hmm. selling her kid but i 
can see her driving them away or making them think that she's about to do something awful so that they would leave her um, and to keep themselves safe. Um, Because, yeah, because she's willing to lie. Mm-hmm. And I think she's going to keep. I I have my my other theory is that she's going to keep encouraging the idea in everybody's mind that she's unfaithful to her husband. That she's ah. going to keep keep you know being seen with Tay and and um and then when finally when for the love of God when Baylor Ghana finally shows up, mm-hmm. we're still on Baylor Ghana watch over here. Yes, and Jimmy Smith finally shows up, and and there's you know that rumor of the two of them hooking up you know which is which is hilarious um i think she's going to encourage that that that's the sacrifice she's going to make because uh, oh because um cuz uh davos says something about um how she has like an impeccable reputation mm-hmm. she has like a completely untouched blemish free reputation right. and i think that's the thing that she's going to sacrifice next is mm-hmm. her is her reputation she's like i can take a couple of hits to people you know talking smack about me i can have people think that my marriage is falling apart i can have people think this and that about me so long as i don't also have to yeah sacrifice, sacrifice my daughter mm-hmm. and um, i think that's a really good echo of like what we see happen with leia um decades later uh when you know the the her reputation goes to shambles and the New Republic, you know. Yes, in uh, uh, was that Bloodline? Bloodline, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Fantastic yeah. book. Oh my god, I love I love Bloodline so much. Like, yeah, I, 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 and like you know, I think that's something that that Mon would probably it would echo out into Leia because that's maybe something that she could have talked to Leia about. Like, there are sacrifices that all of us need to make for this rebellion. That was mine. Um, that was one of mine. And yeah, I, I fully agree. I think that theory is great. Yeah, I can't, you know, I can't wait to find out. There's so much, so much more. I mean, we've got still two whole episodes in this season and then another whole season. So lucky. There's so much to speculate about. I can't stop speculating. Oh, Um, yeah. Do you have any big speculations for what you think is coming up soon? Mm, I know, I know this is like a mostly like cameo free show, but I definitely feel like we're going to see someone familiar. If it's not Bale, it could be someone who's just like a lot less uh, like, I hope it's Bale. We need to have Bale in the show. I need to have him in the show. Uh, He's so important. He's so important to the rebellion. Exactly. Like he was one of the, in that cut scene um, from Revenge of the Sith, like he was one of the people in there with Padme and Mon talking about starting a freaking rebellion Mm -hmm. in her apartment. And I always see like, you know, a part of the, what this rebellion is in a way is them enacting her plan and them taking those steps from the foundation she she set. Um, and so, yeah, like I, I really want to see Vale really, really bad. But I would also love to see, and I think this series is fantastic for introducing like characters from the books that we've seen, specifically Ray Sloan. Um, oh. I, Ray Sloan, oh. ooh, she was made mm. for this show. And if she's not this season, I'm... Uh, if she is next season's big bad, like that, that would make me so happy. Like oh. that's my theory is that like Deidre may just fizzle out among like, you know, trying to climb the ladder within the empire. And then, you know, the next season we get Ray Sloan, who at this time is like at the height of her career. Like mm-hmm. she's, this is what, like, that'll be a couple years before Yavin. So yeah, she is like, 
up there uh, in yeah. rank, and she is one of Vader's favorite Imperials. Yes, <laughs> she's time. so interesting. She's yeah. so cool. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think. So if this, is, if we're at five BBY right now, mm-hmm. we're just post. She gets a big promotion after the events of A New Dawn. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the book that introduces us to Hera, uh, to Hera and um, and Kanan, yes. um, and so she she acts you know very heroically at race loan for the for the Empire of course, um, <laughs> and kind of comes out of that really squeaky clean and into a big promotion, um, which I think is I think that book takes place in like six BBY like we should be right around like, time yeah six for... or seven because they uh, Hera and Kanan were. They were. It was just them and Chopper for a little while, and along the yeah. way, they picked up Sabine and yeah. Zeb within the next at least, year. I think. Yeah, at least a year or two before. So, like, this yeah. should be. You're right. Like the height of race of like power race loan. Mm-hmm. She is. She should be absolutely dominating this place right now. I hope. God, I hope we get. I hope we get She's, race loan. Yeah, because if it's this time, and I'm remembering the Canaan comic, right? And who knows how much of that is left in canon but like <laughs> she she was like a vice admiral at that mm-hmm. at that time when she encountered him there so yeah i oh oh my god please i really like we've been begging for ray sloan for years and i just think that like this is the show this is the atmosphere for a character like her to yeah. like really come in and be like a massive massive threat to the rebellion yeah, we've earned Ray Sloan. We've, I know. We, we have earned her. Um, really if we can get some Ray Sloan, I don't necessarily think we should get Thrawn, but we could. Mm. Um, or at least we'll a Thrawn mention. We'll probably get him in Ahsoka. We'll get, yeah, we'll get him in Ahsoka for sure. We'll get a Thrawn mention maybe. Um, I'm hoping for a Thrawn mention. I'm hoping for um, Jimmy Smith's. I'm yes. hoping for Jimmy Smith's to drop a Leia mention. Mm-hmm. um at mm-hmm. least if we don't get teenage like baby leia then you know we got baby leia in in kenobi I, so maybe oh, we'll get teenage leia in uh in andor that would I be that, really cool yeah like the the potential for mon visiting alderaan is is pretty high like i'm pretty sure mm. she's been there a couple times and she knows leia you know she goes to Bill and and Brea's parties that they organized to basically do exactly what we saw Mon do here. Um, Because they do that in Leia Princess of Alderaan where they organize parties and just kind of like try to go like, hey, and they even do that in, in, uh, in, in Kenobi. You see them working on that high level where it's like they're working to try and see where people close to them lie and who yes. they can trust and connect with. Right, because you can't just outright be like, so what do you think? What do you think about the empire, huh? <laughs> you, uh, not a fan? Are you not on a scale you, uh, of one to ten? You up for some rebels or <laughs> no? No, no, no. Never mind. Forget I was letting anything. Anyway, <laughs> um, right. You have to like throw a party and be like, oh, my politics are really radical. How about yours? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah, um, which we see Mon Mothma excel at, and you know that Bail and Brea are good at it too. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, like a young Leia. Oh my gosh! And can you imagine if Mon Mothma like figured out that Leia was Padme's kid? Uh, yeah. I would die. I would. Uh, it would end me. Like I, I, I'd like specifically see it happening if things go south with with Leia, either with a marriage or like you, like you said, she sends them away to Chandrilla and like does away with her family. And then like after that, 
she ha has to go to Alderaan to see Bale and sees Bale's happy family all together. Oh, uh, and, oh uh, having what she could never have. Um, oh my God, yes. Yeah, Mon there's so much room for, for growth here and there's so much potential um, mm -hmm. for for her to, to we're going to get so much more. And Genevieve O'Reilly is doing such a, a fantastic oh. job. You know, the other day my husband and I sat down and watched, uh, I, was, I wasn't feeling good. I was, I, I was sick. That's why last, mm -hmm. the last episode was very delayed. Um, uh, and I was like, I don't feel good. I want to watch a Star War. <laughs> and um, so I put on Return of the Jedi, which I hadn't seen in a minute. Mm -hmm. um, and then Mon Mothma was up there on screen doing her thing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, holy crap, Genevieve O'Reilly is channeling that energy yes. so beautifully. That like, that like seriousness and that serenity, but the like, yes, we're going to be serious and, and serene about this, but we are in fact panicking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is, there is a problem that we will fix. Delivering yeah. bad news with that, like, very suit. Many Bothans died to bring us this information, giving us that, like, total smooth, mm -hmm. you know, acting. Grace under pressure. Yes. Fa fabulous phrase. Mm -hmm. uh, that's Mon Mothma to a T, right? Like, that's that's her. You put a picture of her in the dictionary next to the phrase Grace <laughs> under pressure. <laughs> she's She's got it. Um, mm -hmm. And Genevieve O'Reilly is just doing such a good job with that energy, just channeling that energy and, and bringing this character, fleshing her out more. Because, when, yeah, when, when I was a little kid and all we had were the, you know, original trilogy and, like, the two Ewok movies, <laughs> um, when that's all, all we had um, before the prequels came out, like, Mon Mothma was the only other female character in the story that we, that we had. And we get it for like two minutes in Return of the Jedi. And and so it's Leia and and Mon Mothma for two minutes. Um, mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, the first time I saw uh, Return of the Jedi being like, oh, my God, who's that? Mm -hmm. Look at her. Ooh, another another girl. Yay. <laughs> like, <laughs> yep. So happy because um, Leia was my hero. But it was like, she's the only one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but and and so now we get to know more about her this isn't just a cassie and Andrew prequel show yeah it's a mon mothma prequel show we're so yeah. we're so lucky we're so mm -hmm. lucky they found somebody that like genevieve o'reilly that can that can pull this off she's perfect and the fact that like they casted her for the prequels for a non-speaking role and she didn't even end up like getting into the final cut i know and now that was 20 here. years ago mm -hmm. Yeah, like it's, it's, I mean, it must feel like there must be like both gravity, but also like, uh, uh, I don't know, like this, this sense of like coming into yourself a, 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 in this role that like she's going through. Like, I, I'm just like blown away that, you know, these characters that we were introduced to very young, like, especially with her and with Jimmy, like we, we barely got to spend a whole lot of time with them. You know, we saw a lot of like who Bale was really in Return of, or in Revenge of the Sith. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, we didn't, we didn't see Mon Mothma anywhere. Um, and so to come back and like take this role, not just play this role of Mon Mothma, but like fully flesh out a character that she did once 20 years ago for like five minutes, like is, it's, it's yeah. insurmountable. It's incredible. Yeah absolutely they've yeah they've done such a good job with her and by yeah allowing her to like 
like flesh this role out and spend more time with Mon Mothma, who we got for like a you know like a couple episodes of Clone Wars too, right? She's like running around with Padme and and Bail yeah. doing her thing, um, but not like a lot, and certainly not in in this capacity and in this in this scope of things. Um, just really really lucky to have her. Yeah. We've talked about Mon Mothma. We've talked about the prison break we've talked about Kino and Mm -hmm. what may or may not be happening to Kino if he's dead or or not Um, whether you know he knows how to swim or if if he's going to try or if he's going to stay we don't know Mm -hmm. and we may never find out yeah we've talked about Cassian and his incredible leadership ability or rather as I heard somebody say his ability to inspire leadership in others Mm -hmm. Um, him encouraging Kino's speech was very much like him, you know, nodding and giving the stage to Jyn Erso on their on their way into Scarif. Um, we've talked about all of this, and and I've loved loved talking to you about this. <laughs> You're so easy to talk to. Um, yeah. And I guess, and and we and we did talk um, about Luthen's speech a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but Luthen's speech was not given in a vacuum. There, there's a lot happening in this scene and in this particular moment. Yes. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, you know, you really don't, uh, I don't think you understand the gravity of like what Luthan is capable of, what he's willing to sacrifice and like how, I don't know, like how, how gung ho he is about like making sure that this thing works. So we have Lonnie who is, uh, is uh, basically like their Imperial plant. Um, he's, he's been there for, he, I think he said like five or six years. Um, he's dedicated his life. And that tells you how long it's been since like the seeds of what Luthen and the rest of the rebellion have planted, have like come up. But He's been in this for like six years. He has just had a baby daughter and he's looking to get out. And unfortunately he is teamed up with Luthen. So the <laughs> only way out of that is death. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Lucian like lets people go. Um, no, no, I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that the and the reason is because Lonnie knows too much. Like Lonnie has all this Imperial intelligence and all this rebel intelligence. And if the Imperials ever catch him like this isn't about oh Lonnie's gonna go betray us but if the Imperials catch him and torture him he is too vital to give up to them um so he's in it he's in the game forever unfortunately um and you we we get into the scene and he's like coming up this elevator that he's been set to you know meet Luthen in and Luthen is just like talking to him on the way up and like sharing this knowledge he has of Lonnie's family and like just kind of I love that particular like I don't love it but like I love it in in like what in a pronunciation of what Luthen's character is because it's like I have tabs on everyone like I am one sole person but I am moving all these chess pieces and I know everything about them like he you know he probably knew that like Lonnie's baby mama was like pregnant like ages ago like and he probably yeah. knew that before Lonnie ever told him so like having this vital information on the people who work with him is a wonderful way to get them to stay uh and and Luthen pointedly brings up Lonnie's daughter several times throughout that conversation up the elevator to him um because I think Luthen already knows like Lonnie is coming to try and quit so yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's like really intense. Yes, Luthen over the mm. 
over the PA or into the into the little headset, um, not really disguising his voice and then stepping out of the shadows and not really disguising his face. Mm-hmm. Um, and because he says to Clea a couple episodes ago when they're like, oh, yeah, we got to go kill Cassie Nander. Like, we got to kill Cassie Nander. He's seen me. He knows me. He, he's been on my ship. You know, like, there. this is a loose end that we didn't tie up. Oops. Um, Lonnie's got way more than that. Um, and has seen him and spoken to him and is passing information back and forth and sharing, you know, Imperial secrets and everything. Um, the fact that he's still alive means that Luthen's not done with him yet. Um, could, could have him killed at any minute. And Lonnie knows this, um, Mm -hmm. and is, and is terrified poor guy. And he's trying to do his best, you know, he's obviously defected from the empire for, you know, for one reason or another. And it can't just be, it can't be money. Like, there's no way Luthen's, like, paying him a fortune for information, right? Yeah. So he, you know, believes in at least part of the cause or believes believes in at least doing something right. Mm-hmm. Um, and now his daughter's at risk and his and his wife's at risk and, and all of that. It's, um, it's terrifying for the poor kid. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that moment, too, like, that perspective from Lonnie is a great... It's a great like parallel in the episode to what Mon Mothma is going through, you know, like the, and I, 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 you know, that builds up to what Luthen ultimately like tells him, like, you know, the, the difference between Luthen and Lonnie is that Lonnie may very well come out with this, uh, come out of this with his family intact. Mm -hmm. And Luthen has given that up, like he, he'd given that up ages ago, you know, he, and he, he like, oh my God, there's so many good lines in that speech in this episode overall but like you know the 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 i made my mind a sunless place line oh you know it's it's it makes this theme of hope for the rebellion become there is still hope in your sacrifice you know like even though luthan gives this like dark speech there is still hope in the fact that like every single one of those sacrifices every dark and horrible thing he has done is going to lead to a future that he cannot see you know he's planting mm-hmm. seeds for a future he will never see and <laughs> oh no hamilton <laughs> i know i like oh, saw no. that i was like oh no like oh no <laughs> seeds in the garden i'll never get to see exactly um, exactly and and i mean you know that that just drives home the type of character he is and the type of leader he is and why he's been so effective so far in rallying all these people because he's already let go of everything they get to keep basically you know with mm-hmm. you know Cinta and Bell and all of them are willing to risk stuff for the rebellion and throw away stuff and Cinta is like probably way more in this than Bell is um but at the end of the day Luthen I don't want to say like he hopes that like they can go be happy girlfriends, but his fight and his sacrifices in that way give them the chance, you know? Yeah. Um, because he would rather lose everything uh, for this rebellion. Whereas he knows, I think he absolutely knows that like his chess pieces want to come out of this free and they want to see that tomorrow. And he's already yes. given it up. Yes. Yeah. When he says, um, I just, I just pulled it up. I actually just reblogged it on my Tumblr, the whole speech. Mm-hmm. And he says, um, I've given all chance at inner peace. I've made my mind a sunless space. I share my dreams with ghosts mm-hmm. that I share my dreams with ghosts. bit really, really shook me up too. Um, where, 
the dreams that he, you know, the amount that he's laid out for the rebellion and the amount that he's done for the rebellion, the only other people that have done as much as he has or more than he has have already died yep. for the cause. They've already given their lives up. Padme Amidala has already given her life up. You know, the, that pilot that um, that they that they caught and, mm-hmm. you know, faked his death. He already gave it up. The only people that care as much about the rebellion as he does are dead um, yeah. or willing to die mm-hmm. or Arsa Guerrera <laughs> <laughs> who's yeah. also willing, who is willing to die and yeah, like, considers willing. himself a, a dead man walking essentially. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to get as much out of this as I can. I'm going to. Saw Guerrera has been dead since his sister died. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's the thing about his character. Like, I feel like no one, you know, the misunderstanding that spreads throughout, you know, Mon Mothma and, and even Luthen and other people is that like, he is already very much like Luthen. He's dead. Like he, mm-hmm. he, he died long before the rebellion ever started. He died in another war that was exactly parallel to the one he is fighting now. And mm-hmm. that is why he is willing to do so many terrible things to make sure that his side wins. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Luthen's right there. He's yep. he's next. He's willing to be the next person to die. Luthen's not going to make it out of the show. No. He might not make it. He might not make it another couple episodes. Mhm. I'm I, I mean, would be surprised. I mean like I I would be surprised if he didn't make it out of the show uh or if he did make it out of the show. I would be extremely surprised though if he didn't survive till season 2. Um though I, I hope do he see does. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. I hope he does because Stellan Skarsgård is an incredible actor. I do see that like, if he does die, like Clay is going to be the next one to step up in his position and she's mm-hmm. going to have to like realize and know that like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a dead woman walking. Basically. Yeah. I think she's about as ruthless as Luthen is, but I think Absolutely. she maybe she's a little more hot headed um, mm-hmm. than he is. She claims to be less, right? She's like, you're slipping, you're, you know, you're getting too sentimental or whatever. She thinks that she's, being more calculated than he is but she's quicker to act than he is and quicker to accuse and quicker to point fingers and stuff and i think she's gonna yeah. have a hard lesson to learn about that um and that she you know clea might be the kind of hot-headed to have been like oh lonnie says he doesn't want to play the game anymore well bye bye lonnie mm-hmm. you know <laughs> uh, but Luthen's like, no 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 we're gonna slow burn this one we're gonna get as much out of this dude as we physically can um and that's yeah, it's it's a ruthless moment. And the mm-hmm. speech is manipulative almost. Yeah, he's like confessing his his sins. He's confessing his, you know, all that he's sacrificing and all that he's done, but he's also manipulating. He's like, Oh, you think you're about to sacrifice everything because of your one little baby daughter? Well, listen to what I've done and think yep. about that next time you try and get out of service you know mm-hmm. it's manipulative it's cold it's cold-blooded mm-hmm. and it's um a really great character moment for uh, yeah for luthan yeah absolutely just like an incredible performance by stellan Skarsgård. like oh yeah oh that just it blew me out of the water like this it's it's i think it's like the culmination of like everything his character has done on screen and that we've seen him do it's, it just comes and makes sense in that moment. So, yeah, absolutely. Oh, my God. This this episode is full of performances that, like, I don't know. If this if, if that monologue itself and if Andy Serkis's uh, performance don't have award recognition, um, that I will be so upset. <laughs> like, I'll be so upset. And I feel like people don't – haven't not been taking the Star Wars 
have not taken Star Wars seriously, like ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, they write it off as, oh, it's just, you know, some dumb space fantasy series or whatever. Um, but I think that this show is starting to to really gain steam and attention um and mm-hmm. is putting putting it on the map. The only, you know, recognition that Star Wars has had in the last 10 years, you know, has been um uh the Mandalorian stunt team won a Screen Actors Guild Award for how mm-hmm. good they did. Um, well deserved. Um, and like a couple of special effects nominations. For, I feel like Star Wars Industrial Light and Magic. Yeah, like Star Wars Animation has gained more award, um, like like uh, more awards than than live action Star Wars. Um, right. Yeah, because Rebels has like a million daytime Emmy- Emmys, and as it rightfully should, um, as it rightfully should, because it's yeah. amazing. It's so um, good. It's so good, and but like yeah, and the, but the cart, you know, the animation kind of runs under the radar a little bit, and yeah. I think I think I hope that Andor's going to be the show that finally makes people go, oh yeah, Star Wars is content that's like that like rules actually <laughs> mm-hmm. absolutely i'm i am orchestrating the andor to rebels pipeline um because like andor is 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 it takes time it takes place at the exact same time mm-hmm. as rebels is going on um and there there are a lot of events in rebels that are as an adult when you watch them it's intense like when i was watching rebels i was scared that these cartoon characters were going to perish in terrible ways because mm-hmm. that's what their stakes were. It was high like that. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't this, these Emmy Award uh, winning like uh, monologues and performances, but it was in, in its own right. Like the the first look we had at the rebellion and at what the sacrifices of creating the rebellion were. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of, every single one of those characters made a sacrifice to be where they were in that cell. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I, I definitely, you know, if you are if you are loving Andor and you want something that'll let you breathe just a little more, check out Rebels. Uh, it's amazing. Check out if Rebels. Wanna, it'll break your heart. <laughs> oh my god, it'll break your heart into tiny little pieces. And and read a new dawn by John Jackson Miller, which is just a great, I think, a great bridge in genre yeah. from Andor to Rebels. Yeah, I've mentioned a new dawn a few times in this uh, in this podcast, um, and I was talking about it for anybody that was interested in that reached out to me interested in um, more information about like Primor the and the um, mm-hmm. like uh, the industrial the company run uh, system planet. Yeah. Um, a new dawn is where you're going to get more of that information on like company run planets and in Star Wars specifically. Um, and you'll also get to meet Kanan Jarrus, who is my favorite. <laughs> yes, I love Kanan. Uh-huh. Yeah, and like that that whole era, just like I love that we are getting this look at this this uh, 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 splintered rebellion. I guess right now that we're getting, you know, like these these are individual cells. Many of them don't even know that each other exists. Like. They're they're not running on hope at this point. They're running on like adrenaline and spite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Therefore, like they they want revenge. They want righteous justice, and we see so much of that now in Andor. Uh, you know, in in Sinta, in Bell, in Luthen, like these these people are willing to give up so much uh, because. They have they they don't want to live under tyranny and they don't want the next generation that's going to come after them to live in tyranny and I think yeah. that's very very like it's an incredibly vital message for our modern times. So 
Yeah, absolutely. You're 100% correct. Katrina, once again, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Uh, You have made this conversation so interesting and you brought so many fabulous uh, thoughts and points to the table. Um, And so now it's your turn to uh to talk about what you are up to this yeah. week you've got an exciting <laughs> project coming out i i do uh so this saturday i am releasing a um short story with a star wars editor as part of their uh fan fiction expanded universe um it is uh called ventress golden and it is about how she acquires her golden lightsaber uh, and the people she meets along the way who kind of start to influence her change. You know, we see a little sample of it when she goes to save Ahsoka and get her out of a situation that I think Ventress relates very deeply to. Uh, and then we see by the time we get to Dark Disciple, this mm-hmm. person that has like, even from one point to another, changed in such a massive way and not in the way that like, a lot of Jedi redemption stories go like she does not go back to becoming a Jedi. And so this story really explores like that layer of Ventress who is kind of defining herself in the force um, by herself in an unconventional way. Uh, And I'm really excited for people to read it. It's it's I've been hoping to write a Ventress story uh, for a long time. And so this opportunity was really exciting and there's such beautiful cover art that I uh, has already been released and is all over my timeline. It's just, it's amazing. Um, uh, and, and that cover art is, uh, is by Star Wars editors, uh, one of their primary artists, John, um, who's John underscore draws on Twitter. If you guys want to go check out his stuff. Um, and then, after that, uh, next, what, Tuesday? Next Tuesday um, is Ventress Day, uh, and the celebration of the 19th year of Asajj Ventress, um, of the day that she first debuted in the two, uh, 2D um, Clone Wars cartoon. And uh, I'm going to, yeah, I'm so excited. Uh, I'm going to be releasing some cool updates on, on what's going on that day. Uh, and I will tell you here exclusively first, I am giving away uh, um, uh, one of. Uh, I'm giving away her lightsaber, her redemption <gasps> lightsaber that you can only get at Batu at Disneyland and Disney World. Um, I ended up with two of them, uh, <laughs> so I thought I would give away the other one, um, and I will be giving that away on Ventress Day uh, to. Um, well, I'll give you the details when when the giveaway goes up. But yes, that that is definitely a thing to look for on the Ventures Day hashtag and Twitter account. Um, we're having that huge giveaway. There are some people who are going to be coming in and having a great little panel with me. Uh, and I will be amplifying all things Ventures all day long that day. So if you guys have art or fanfic or cosplay or just like little musings that you want to put on Twitter and Instagram, use the Ventress Day hashtag, which is just Ventress Day, uh, and we'll, I'll make sure to amp it up so you get some attention. Oh my God. Amazing. So that's Tuesday, the 15th of November? Yes. Uh, Tuesday, the 15th of November. Ventress is a Scorpio. Very fitting. Ventress is a Scorpio. Absolutely she is like the queen fitting. Of she's, <laughs> she's the most Scorpio Scorpio I've ever seen. How what a fabulous piece of information. Oh my gosh, that is so exciting. A giveaway, some 
amazing uh, new fiction and some mm -hmm. i and i bet we're gonna see some amazing fan art and some amazing um stuff for ventress all day long i love ventress i'm so excited that this is happening uh congratulations on your on your uh story and your and your work i can't wait to Thank read you. it um Yay. and so when people hear this episode and they want to um attend ventress day Yes. And they uh, want to check out that giveaway and they want to read your story. Where do they find you on the internet? You can find me anywhere on the internet. If you look for O Katrina, that's O-H-C-A-T-R-I-N-A. Uh, and I will uh, definitely be very, very loud that day and super annoying. So follow <laughs> me and turn on all my notifications so that you don't miss a thing. Because I will post 50 <laughs> times that day. So your phone will be blowing up and you can look super, super popular. Yeah, but blowing up with Ventress stuff, which is like the best reason. <laughs> exactly. Ventress loves blowing stuff up. So I'm, <laughs> I'm super excited. Like this is this is my favorite time of the year. Favorite time of the year. Um, and I'm running it, you know, co-running it again with my friend Beatriz. And we're we're trying to make it a really big deal this year because next year marks 20 years of oh my God. the animated Clone Wars, 20 years of Massage Ventress. So I'm I'm so excited to be doing this year so that we can look forward to it even more exciting next year. Yay. Well, congratulations. Everybody go check out Oh Katrina. Oh Katrina on oh. Twitter. And <laughs> uh and I can't wait for all of that. Um speaking of Twitter, if you want to follow this show on Twitter, we are at Rogue Fun Pod. Um we are constantly never stop, never stopping tweeting about rogue one and about andor all the time nice. uh we will probably break that in order to retweet some really great for ventress day um <laughs> but um if you you know you want to find us uh on twitter again that's at rogue fun pod we're also now uh, we're back on tumblr we left but we have returned we're back on tumblr <laughs> rogue fun podcast dot tumblr.com um where so the twitter has remained a we've been trying to keep our twitter feed spoiler free Twitter has no such qualms we are going absolutely bonkers on analysis and spoilers over there on tumblr if you are interested since twitter is slowly dying uh a painful death uh, we are I'm like trying playing, tumblr again <laughs> i'm like you're playing violin on the deck just like what? Let's go down with it. Let's yes, just go down. We're, we are not planning on deleting our Twitter accounts until Twitter <laughs> becomes unusable. Um, mm -hmm. But we are also branching out a little bit. So go go check us out on Tumblr. Um, I personally, Alice, am on uh, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and on Tumblr with the same username. That's Alice White THP for those happy places. Those happy places is our flagship show about theme parks, rides, and attractions, and why they deserve a little bit more credit than they currently get. Uh, so go ahead and check that out if you're interested in a theme park podcast. Thosehappyplaces.com is the place to uh, find that one and all of our other podcast events we've had over the years. Uh, special thanks to Buddy Duquesne, uh, who was unable once again to make it to a Rogue Fun recording. Uh, we miss you, Buddy. I know you're not listening to this because you're also not watching Andor right now. Um, <laughs> but you'll hear it eventually. And you'll hear how we've been not making fun this whole time. Promise. Well, so uh, the thing about me and Buddy is you've never seen us together. Oh. Uh, so, so who knows? Maybe he's here. Whoa. Right now. Whoa. That would be a crazy <laughs> twist. Craziest twist in Star Wars history since Luke Father. So um <laughs> so thanks, buddy. Hopefully we'll see you soon. 
Um, and thank you once again, Katrina. Thank you so much for joining us. This was Thanks a total blast. Rogue fun. Pulling away. May the force be with you.